You're listening to Sun Tzu on the Art of War, translated from the Chinese by Lionel Gills. This audiobook is brought to you by Kriti and it's narrated by Aishwarya. Chapter 1 Laying Plans Sun Tzu said, The art of war is of vital importance to the state. It's a matter of life and death, a road either to safety or to ruin. Hence, it's a subject of inquiry which can on no account be neglected. The art of war, then it's governed by five constant factors to be taken into account in one's deliberation when seeking to determine the condition obtaining in the field. These are 1. The moral law 2. Heaven 3. Earth 4. The commander 5. Method and discipline the moral law causes the people to be in complete accord with their ruler so that they'll follow him regardless of their lives, undismayed by any danger. Heaven signifies night and day, cold and heat, time and season. Earth comprises distance, great and small, danger and security, open ground and narrow passes, the chances of life and death. The commander stands for the virtues of wisdom, sincerely, benevolence, courage and strictness. By method and discipline are to be understood the marshalling of the army in its proper subdivision, the graduations of rank among the officers, the maintenance of road by which supplies may reach the army and the control of military expenditure. These five heads should be familiar to every general, he who knows them will be victorious, he who knows them will never fail. Therefore, in your deliberation, when seeking to determine the military condition, let them be made the basis of comparison in this wise. 1. Which of the two sovereign is imbued with the moral law? 2. Which of the two general has more stability? 3. With whom lie the advantages derived from the heaven and earth? 4. On which side is discipline most rigorously enforced? 5. Which army is stronger? 6. On which side are officers and men more highly trained? 7. In which army is there a greater constancy both in reward and punishment? By means of these seven considerations, I can forecast victory or defeat. The general that hearkens to my counsel and acts upon it will conquer. Let such a one be retained in command. The general that hearkens not to my counsel nor acts upon it will suffer defeat. Let such a one be dismissed. While heeding the profit of my counsel, avail yourself also of any helpful circumstances over and beyond the ordinary rules. According as circumstances are favourable, one should modify one's plan. All warfare is based on deception. Hence, when able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our forces, we must seem inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. When far away, we must make him believe we are near. Hold our baits to entice the enemy. Feign disorder and crush him. If he is secure at all points, be prepared for him. 
if he is in superior strength evade him if your opponent is of choleric temper seek to irritate him pretend to be weak that he may grow arrogant if he is taking his ease give him no rest if his forces are united separate them attack him where he is unprepared appear where you are not expected these military devices leading to victory must not be divulged beforehand now the general who wins a battle makes many conclusion in his temple where the battle is fought the general who loses a battle makes but a few calculations beforehand thus do many calculations lead to victory and few calculations to defeat how much more no calculations at all it's by attention to this point that i can foresee who is likely to win or lose chapter 2 waging war sun tzu said in the operation of war where there are in the field of thousand swift chariots as many heavy chariots and a hundred thousand mail clad soldiers with provision enough to carry them a thousand li the expenditure at home and at the front including entertainment of guest small items such as glue and paint and some spent on chariots and armor will reach the total of 1000 ounces of silver per day such is the cause of raising an army of 100000 men when you engage in actual fighting if victory is long in coming then men weapon will grow dull and their ardor will be damped if you lay siege to a town you'll exhaust your strength again if the campaign is protracted the resources of the state will not be equal to the strain now when your weapon are dulled your ardor are damped your strength exhausted and your treasure spent other chieftains would spring up to take the advantage of your extremity then no man however wise will be able to avert the consequences that must ensue thus thought we have heard of stupid haste in war cleverness has never been associated with long delays there's no instance of a country having benefited from prolonged warfare it's only one who's thoroughly acquainted with the evils of war that can thoroughly understand the profitable way of carrying it on the skillful soldier does not raise a second levy neither are his supply wagons loaded more than twice bring war materials with you from home but forage on the enemy thus the army will have good enough for its need poverty of the state is chikwa causes an army to be maintained by contribution from a distance contributing to maintain an army at a distance causes the people to be improvised on the other hand the proximity of army causes prices to go up and high prices causes the people substance to be drained away when their substance is drained away the peasantry will be afflicted by heavy exaction with this loss of substance and exhaustion of strength the homes of the people will be stripped bare and 3/10 of their income will be dissipated while government expenses for the broken chariots worn out houses breastplates and helmets bows and arrows spears and shields protective mantles draught oxen and heavy wagons will amount to 410 of its total revenue hence 
a wise general makes a point of foraging on the enemy one cartload of the enemy's provision is equal to 20 of one's own and likewise a single pickle of his provender is equal to 20 from one's own store now in order to kill the enemy a man must be roused to anger that they may be advantages from defeating the enemy they must have their rewards therefore in chariot fighting when 10 or more chariots have been taken those who should be rewarded who took the first our own flag should be substituted for those of the enemy and the chariots mingled and used in the conjunction with ours the captured soldier should be kindly treated and kept this is called using the concord foe to argue one own strength in war then let your great object be victory not the lengthy campaign thus it may be known that the leaders of army is arbiter of the people's fate the man on whom it depends whether the nation shall be in peace or in pearl you're listening to sun tzu on the art of war translated from the chinese by leonel gills this audiobook is brought to you by kriti and it's narrated by aishwarya chapter 3 attack by stratagem sun tzu said In the practical art of war the best thing of all is to take the enemy's country whole and intact to shatter and to destroy it is not so good so it's better to recapture an enemy's entity than to destroy it to recapture a regiment a detachment or a company entire than to destroy them hence to fight and conquer in all your battle is not supreme excellence Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Thus, the highest form of generalship is to balk the enemy's plan. The next best is to prevent the junction of the enemy's forces. The next in order is to attack the enemy's army in the field, and the worst policy of all is to besiege walled cities. The rule is not to besiege walled cities. if it can possibly be avoided the preparation of mantles movable shelter and various implements of war will take up 3 whole months and the piling up of mounds over against the wall will take 3 more months the general unable to control his irritation will launch his men to the assault like swarming ants with the result that 1/3 of his men are slain while the town still remains untaken such are the disastrous effect of sage therefore the skillful leader substitutes the enemy's troop without any fighting he captures their city without laying siege to them he overthrows the king dome without lengthy operation in the field with his force intact he will dispute the mastery of the empire and thus without losing a man his triumph will be complete this is the method of attacking by stratagem it's the rule in war if our forces are ten to the enemy's one to surround him if five to one to attack him if twice as numerous to divide our army into two if equally matched we can offer battle if it's slightly inferior in number we can avoid the enemy if it's quite unequal in every way we can flee from him hence 
Though an obstinate fight may be made by small forces in the end, it must be captured by larger force. Now, the general is the bulwark of the state. If the bulwark is complete at all point, the state will be strong. If the bulwark is defective, the state will be weak. There are three ways in which a ruler can bring misfortune upon his army. One, by commanding the army to advance or to retreat, being ignorant of the fact that it cannot obey. This is called hobbling the army. Two, by attempting to govern an army in the same way as he administered a kingdom, being ignorant of the condition which obtain in an army. This causes restlessness in the soldier's mind. And three, by employing the officers of his army without discrimination through ignorance of the military principle of adaptation to circumstances. This shakes the confidence of the soldier. But when the army is restless and distrustful, trouble is sure to come from the other feudal princes. This is simply bringing anarchy into the army and flinging victory away. Thus, we may know that there are five essential for victory. One, he will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. Two, he will win who knows how to handle both superior and inferior forces. Three, he will win whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout all its rank. Four, he will win who prepared himself, waits to take the enemy unprepared. Five, he will win who has military capacity and it's not interfered with by the sovereign. Hence the saying, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained by you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you'll succumb in every battle.